0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Well, from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems that everyone has an idea of how we should think, live, and even make our decisions. And when even the experts sound convincing, but they disagree, how do we cut through the noise? And when information overload leaves us frustrated, how do we sift through it all and choose what governs our lives? Well, our leadership here at Grace has been processing and praying about these things, and we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions, which brings us to now. Jeff, how we doing, buddy?
1: Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a nice wintry day. It has. It's actually been really pretty up here. I, I like this when the snow's out and the sun's out simultaneously it's not too bad it's a nice little combination though
0: someone reminded me today that january literally had three days of sunshine
1: yeah that's probably about right yeah <laughs> but
0: here we are in february
1: it's yeah when the snow's gone and the sun's gone and the depression comes in that's when it gets hard to live in northeast ohio uh but that is not today's topic
0: <laughs> we would be too depressed and all be in tears that's true um, well, very good. Well, let's go ahead and just dive right in, Jeff. Um, there's been uh, obviously a lot going on um, kind of in our culture over the last year, especially as we think through all of the, the not just the exact politics of what's actually moving forward, but then how we interact with things politically. Yeah. And in the midst of that, I think a lot of us kind of ask questions that circle around like, well, what is the church? Or what's referred to when people say the church? Or What is evangelicalism? That's kind of a favorite in the political arena. Um, You know, how does that all mix together, Jeff? Like, how does, and then those questions, how does that affect what I'll call like the real church of who Jesus
1: is leading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think this is actually a very uh, critical conversation for our time. I think, I think that the time that we live in, uh, for the North American church, it's a very critical time. So I will talk about this, Joe, <laughs> but uh, I will say this. If you are listening or watching this, uh, you have to make a commitment to listen all the way through. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't want um, to be taken out of context, and I don't want uh, people to jump to conclusions because they heard one statement and didn't sure. hear it in a context. So this is I think it's an important thing, but it's a little bit of a scary thing and, and um, uh, because it's it's actually so sensitive, sure that uh, people are very reactionary um, about it right now. So I'll talk about it, but I'm not I'm not um, if you think I'm talking about you, I'm not mm-hmm. if you think I'm talking about them, I'm not. Uh, it, it, if you uh, if you get all fired up, you need to settle down and like we're. Uh, we'll just talk about the gospel, and yep. we'll talk about I think the, the true heart of Jesus. So I, I think in a lot of ways, um, evangelicalism and uh, conservative evangelicalism is uh, in a tough position right now. Uh, because I think there's um, a couple of sides of the evangelical church that uh, wings within it, so to say, that are almost trying to hijack it. You know, So th- this comes out in um, political protest a lot. So you have one side that will uh, be protesting the lack of uh, social involvement of the evangelical church. And they would, in the name of Jesus, being demand they would demand that the Scripture be changed and they would demand that the, the doctrines of the church and the traditions of the church be changed. Uh, in the name of Jesus, they would say, you have to do these things or you are not loving or you are not kind, right? That's kind of one wing of True. evangelicalism. The other wing of evangelicalism is going to look and say, uh, we have to save the country. And uh, in the name of Jesus, we have to do that. That's what Jesus wants. And so uh, when you look at like the Capitol riot um, a few weeks ago, you're going to see a cross and the stars and bars and the American flag and uh, people praying and people saying God bless America. and a noose hanging and racial epitaphs, like you're gonna see all that mixed together, and there's a a side of that that a lot of people are going to um, uh, throw Jesus onto. Now, what's fascinating is in both of those extremes, in the one side that's gonna demand social justice, the fringe of that side the people who really care about social justice are somewhat embarrassed by them, <laughs> right. and they don't want to be associated. and And all the people who were at the Capitol uh, during those riots, there's a there's a the fringe that broke into the Capitol and and committed crime and rioted in there. There's a whole bunch of people there that are deeply embarrassed by that and and feel humiliated by it. And then all of that, both of those conversations get thrown into, well, see, that's what the church is about. <laughs> right. And there's uh, some people in churches that would say, that's right, that's what we're about. And some people say, that's right, that's what we're about. And then there's a bunch of us that would be like, that's not at all what we're about. Like right. nothing they're saying or doing represents us, but we just got lumped in with them. So I think I think um, the issue that's facing evangelicalism and facing what I would call the the true church mm-hmm. uh, true followers of Jesus I don't think you have to be an evangelical to be a true follower of Jesus but for the sake of this conversation is the vast majority that's in between those two places that says wait a minute you don't speak for me sure and uh, your uh racist rhetoric is not my rhetoric and your accusatory rhetoric is not my rhetoric and you demanding that I say that or stand there, I don't acquiesce to that demand. Sure. Um, I am genuinely looking for Christ, genuinely looking for how living for him plays out in our culture. And I know it's neither one of those things, but I don't necessarily know what it is. So when I say all that, um, I, I, this is where I, I like tread lightly because I just offend, you know, just a bunch of people just got ticked or worried, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm like, is we have to be able to talk things through, mm-hmm. and we have to be able to think them through and and struggle them through. So I'm not I'm not saying that we have to find the one true Christ. I don't mean like, uh, to rebuke everybody and say you better agree with me or you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I had somebody ask me like. Uh, why why didn't you call out what happened in Washington D.C. from the pulpit? I'm like, because the people in the chairs weren't there, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking to them right now. Right. So I'll call it out here. This is a different format, you know. That the riots in D.C. were absolutely ungodly mm-hmm. and unchristlike, and do not represent uh, the spirit of things. I've called out the other side. Uh, Too saying you're burning Seattle down or wherever that's ungodly. It's unchristlike. It does not represent. But what what does represent us mm-hmm. is is more the issue. So, I would say this as a warning. Like I, I want the healthy people to know that these two sides are pressing in all the time, and we have to look and say. Am I being influenced by one of, or two of these sides, or is Christ actually defining and directing my life? And is that what I want? My mm-hmm. longing for that. So, I think I think there's two sides of it. The one side I would call a nationalism, and the nationalist would say um, it, it's like a religious nationalism. Sure. They would say that God bless America. Is God's will, right? So it's all the way back to the founding of the country. There was a, a philosophy or a doctrine that many of the founders held called manifest destiny, that God willed for America to to um, exist, willed for us to uh, rule over the continent. And that's what the push western west was. Uh, uh, was uh, America is a tool of of Christ. And our job is to proclaim Christ and to be a beacon of what is true and right and good. And that is our destiny. Sure. And so it's tied to that. The American flag and the Christian flag uh, fly together <laughs> as one flag. And therefore, when we, as a powerful nation, fight a war, etc., God is on our side, right? Now, there's some... There is some upside to that in this, that cr- many American Christians would look and say, I want to take my wealth, and I want to take my freedom, and I want to take my prosperity, and I want to proclaim the gospel with it. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Sure. The downside of that is this, that we are assuming God is who we want him to be, mm. And so on both sides of the Civil War, for instance, they both thought they were doing God's will. That's impossible, <laughs> right? So I'm like, but the mindset was at both places, and I'm like, that is the stuff that is dangerous. And if I believe that America is the new Israel, that we are the – the the country uniquely blessed by God is how I would interpret all that. Uh, if I believe that, then what I'm going to believe is that until the country is returned to God, by the way, as I define it, <laughs> absolutely right? Then God is not happy and we cannot be effective as a church. Mm-hmm. Right? So, to that group of people, if I said things like, uh, More American blood has been shed to spread freedom than any other blood on planet Earth, they would say, Yeah, amen. And if I said, um, Because we've been given freedom and exercise it responsibly, responsibly, that's a big reason for our wealth and power. They would say, Yes, amen and i would say um and freedom of speech and religion has allowed us to propagate the gospel and tell people they would say yes and amen they would agree with that if i said america was kind of maybe in some ways a christian country <laughs> like me just saying that everybody just tensed up feels like blasphemy to that feels group. like blasphemy i'm like cuz we, we were founded on the Bible. I'm like, but slavery. Mm-hmm. and we, But we were founded on equality for all men. I'm like, but slavery, and we oppressed women.
0: Well, you even did a sermon not too long ago where you just illustrated uh, Thomas Jefferson literally cutting up the Bible, saying, I don't believe this part. I do believe this part.
1: Right. We, we, we cut and pasted what it meant to be a Christ follower spiritualize that and turn that into public policy Mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm like anybody who builds their life off of biblical principles is going to be better for it that doesn't mean that the heartbeat of the nation is the heartbeat of christ like you have to separate that we uh God blessed us by giving us the whole continent. I'm like, we committed genocide on, on people. Like, that's part of our history. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they fought with us. No, I mean, read it. Like, like, <laughs> st- like it's part of our history and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then people would say, um, you know, well, do you, are you patriotic, Jeff? And I would say, I'm grateful very grateful for our nation. I'm very grateful for the men and women that have given their lives who serve I honor them. We honor them here at grace. I'm very, very grateful. Well, but do you pl- do, do you do you believe in America? I'm like, which one are you talking about? <laughs> because we also commit infanticide. Like we are the ones who spread abortion around the world. Mm-hmm. We're the leading exporters of pornography. Uh, we have exercised our power. We have exercised it to free people. That's true. Mm -hmm. We've exercised it to control people, too. Like, we have to be honest. Mm -hmm. And so in, in the religious nationalism, all of the critical thinking, or a bunch of it, can be removed, and the country being right is tied to God's will. And I would say as a, as a warning to a Christ follower, do not mix those two things together, right? A, a, a Brazilian can't do that, a Chadian can't do that, a Haitian can't do that, but they follow the same Jesus we do. Right. So be careful as that, as your nationalism or your patriotism is blended with your faith that The far outplay of that is all those perverted symbols that you see in those capital riots. The mainstream version of that is uh, you have to be a Christian to be a Republican or you have to be a Christian to be a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a spiritualization of our earthly civilization views. So that's kind of one extreme to it. The other extreme... Is what I call, there's probably a better name for it, but I call it a moral idealism. Hmm. And a moral idealism would say that unless we fix the moral problems in our culture, then we cannot have credibility with the gospel. So we must fix racism, we must fix sexism, we must fix the, you know, the uh, poverty, these kind of things. like even, even environmentalism, like we must fix those moral problems. And the problem with the church is the demand—the the one side's going to demand that we kind of pledge allegiance to the flag. The other side's going to demand— that we agree with their definition of morality, right? So they would look at the church and they say, the church is immoral, but it's immoral for what we say it's immoral for and on the issues we say. Mm -hmm. So some of those issues are very valid, like racism. It's immoral that the, the church has a history of bigotry, and I would, I would be like, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's immoral. It's wrong that Sunday is called the most segregated hour uh, in North America. I'm like, I agree with you. There's, a, there's an issue there. It doesn't represent the body of Christ. Okay. Uh, the, in sexism, the church is immoral. Uh, the church has a history of oppressing women. I don't disagree with you. The, the whole idea of submission and headship has been very abused over, uh, by the church. Um, the, the church is immoral because, uh, they don't, most churches don't care about the environment at all. And I'm like, this will surprise some people. I'm like, I kind of agree with you. We're stewards of the earth. We're not to be abusers of it. So we, we, I kind of, I agree a little bit that we should care for the earth. Well, then this is what happens. I'll use environmentalism. Will you agree? Yes. So you think we should cancel the Keystone Pipeline? Oh, well, wait a minute. I I thought we were talking about a moral issue. Mm-hmm. That's a that is a political or civil issue. Like how we get natural gas is not addressed in the Bible. <laughs> uh, so you believe? Why aren't you preaching about recycling? Well, I'm not because recycling is like a method. That's that's not really where the that's not what I'm. So you think it's moral, but you've defined what that morality is, and if I don't agree with your definition, what happens is then I am now labeled as immoral, okay? So I get to this side, this this moral idealism, they get to define what has to be moral or not, and then they get to define whether you are being moral or not, right? So, um, you know what else is immoral? What? Your non-acceptance of gay marriage is immoral. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Oh, oh, yes, it is. Here, I'll take these three verses out of context. Now, you're immoral. You hate homosexual people, what I thought we were talking about see, and so that pressure comes in, and that's kind of from the other side, so to say and and we as Christians, we feel that too you know you 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 know what you do what? you're a backwards uh, oppressor of women why why do you think that? because you think that um uh husbands should be the heads of their homes, but that's what the Bible says. No, no, no. That's that's all out of context, right? Um, you, you're, you know who you are. You hate people. Why do I hate people? Well, you don't have friends who are the right ethnicity or color. Well, could you help me make those friends? No, you should have them, right? So th- it's not— there's no like help me, teach me, show me. There's there's no ability to like, I agree with some of what you say, but not what other parts of your say what you say. We define morality and we are the authority on it. And the other side, the nationalism side is we define what a good country is and, and we decide what that is, and you have to agree with us. And then both of those sides equally will take very strong stances, and the stance is not you're either for me or you're against me. The stance is you're either for me or you hate me, yeah, right but i don't i don't I don't hate you, you hate America. no, I don't hate America at all. What do you mean because you you didn't say this. But that's not in the Bible. Well, you hate this group of people. I don't hate that group of people. Well, you didn't say this, but that's not in the Bible. And so in the middle of all this, in the, of these two extremes, I think is the majority of Christ followers, and I don't think the majority of Christ followers are looking for a middle ground. I think both sides are accusing Christ that majority of christ followers of being wrong and so the majority is looking and saying well am i wrong am i wrong you know mm-hmm. it, it, do i do i have a do, do i have a freedom in the church to have a political opinion uh, am, do i have the freedom to to look at the bible and see that it says very clearly right there that what you're saying is wrong mm-hmm and the, the people in the middle are now having to find clarity about what is right and wrong, and they're having to find courage to simply follow Christ. And, and, and that is a big deal, mm-hmm. right? And we would look and say, we, uh, th- there was a time, kind of, this is a generalization but there was a time where you could say like well I'm a conservative evangelical and that meant I'm not charismatic now that means I practice religious nationalism right or there's there was a time that you could say uh, I'm an evangelical who's really committed to like social justice that's that's important to me and that meant, that you really felt called to intervene in poverty and rebuild neighborhoods and and care about racial reconciliation, now that means you're a flaming liberal. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that that somehow has to be understood and the the people who are struggling to love Jesus um, have to push very gently back against that and say, no, uh, I, person A, can love Jesus, and I, person B, can love Jesus, and we can have very intriguing conversations. Uh, I was doing another podcast that's called One City with my friend Bishop Johnson, and on this podcast, he was talking about, he goes, well, Jeff, you know that Jesus was a political figure. I'm like, Joey, Bishop, uh, Jesus was a... and. And we have two brothers that are pushing back on an idea. I'm learning from him. He's learning from me. We're challenging each other. I don't think he's a flaming liberal and he doesn't think I'm a redneck. We're, we're brothers mm-hmm. talking about something and it's healthy. And he affected my view of things and I affected his. It was iron sharpening iron. These two extremes is not iron sharpening iron. It's accusations, and accusations are made from the spirit of the evil one. And that is not Christian unity. It's not even Christian exhortation. Mm -hmm.
0: One of the things that you're bringing up there is when when we staunchly plant ourselves in, I think this, and I'm right, And you don't. And therefore, you're wrong. Um, There's no room for like it's a double edged sword of I refuse to allow any room for growth on one side. The person that you're talking to because they haven't, quote unquote, landed where you've landed, they're just kind of you're dead to me. Like you're not allowed to start thinking like I do. If you don't think like I do, you're done. There's no room for growth. And then secondarily it's also a confession that and oh by the way I've already figured everything out there's no room for me to grow.
1: It's true it can, it can be and I want to be careful I'm not trying to like pick a fight necessarily. I'm trying to expose an mm-hmm. issue. It can, it can be a very narcissistic and arrogant thing that you you must agree with me. You must talk like me you must define everything like me, and you must act the way that I think you should act. And this is what happens. The people on the national side will say, right, that's how those liberals are. And the people on on the the moral idealism side will be like, right, that's how those rednecks are, those nationalists are. And I'm like, the people in the middle, I'm like, that's how both of you guys are. Mm
0: -hmm. Someone once told me, um, they're like, have you ever looked up the definition of bigotry? (laughs) And they're like the irony is, is we we fight for these ideals, and really the whole like, well, because you think this, live here, make this income, you name it, then all of these other things, I'm going to swoop onto your identity, and those must be true about you too. And they are like, that's bigotry, <laughs> like you yeah. know, like. And so the irony there. Now we're we all have blind spots, but
1: but, but the see, I was this is a good lead, and I was going to talk about this, Joe, like. The Bible specifically says a, a couple things. Jesus says, Matthew chapter eighteen. He says, if a brother offends you, go to him. If he won't listen to you, go with a friend. If he won't listen to you too, take the church. Right, and if he if he's hard in his heart, treat him like a tax collector. What's in our culture today? The in some ways, the most relevant part of that passage is if you are the offended person you go to your brother. You don't go announcing that your brother offended you. Right? Another thing that the scripture says is if a brother is in sin, or sister's in sin, you who are mature should seek to restore them gently. Yep. Right, so that you can win them over. That, those two principles are very absent in the church today mm-hmm. and and there is no when someone when you think somebody is wrong you don't accuse them of being wrong you go to them and you gently point out what you think is wrong and that's probably a conversation not a tweet
0: One hundred
1: because you're you're trying to shepherd them draw them out like Why don't you yell at, somebody asked me one time, like, why don't you raise your voice at church? I'm like, because I'm shepherding people. I don't need to yell at them, they're adults. Mm -hmm. You know, I can challenge them, but I'm walking them through a process. And and that's missing relationally right now. If I'm offended right now, I'm talking about in the church. I'm not talking about our culture, forget Mm -hmm. the culture. Talking about in the church. If I'm offended right now, I leave the church. I've had this happen several times, and, sure. and I'm like, I didn't even know that you were offended. Well, you, you know, you didn't even talk to me about it. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I needed to talk. You never came to me. You never practiced, it. and all of that's missing. And and I've had I've been accused um, of many things <laughs> in my <laughs> life, but I, two examples that I give is my relationships. Uh, with working with women every day and my relationships working with my uh, a friend who's African-American. When we started here at Grace, it was all guys, basically, right? And then we started hiring lots of women to fill roles. And so now the ratio is kind of 50-50. When it was all guys, we were not being rude or crude or sinful, but we were being insensitive. We are just men. I had a sister come into my office, say, can I talk to you? She sat down with me, and she said, hey, yeah." in essence, she said, you got a blind spot. I want to help you with it. And she laid out how it felt to be a woman on our staff. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. And she helped me, right? At that point, I had biblically offended her she wasn't even confronting me i didn't know i did it Mm -hmm. she helped me i love her i want i don't want her to feel that way we changed yep i have an african-american brother he does the same thing for me it's like i don't i don't understand his life and his upbringing i can't therefore i don't understand what I don't understand. I don't know what I don't know. He doesn't accuse me. Right. Say, well, you know what the problem with you is? You're this and you're this and you're this, so you're dumb. <laughs> he, he walks me through it. Now, what's fascinating as we do that, sometimes I'll look at him and I'll say, that's not a racial issue. That's a, that's a um, opinion or that's a childhood wound. And we'll have a we're dear friend, have a very interactive, but it's so but I would that's between any two people. That's what a husband and wife have to do. Mm-hmm. That's what parents and children have to do. These practices what I what I what I think I'm trying to say to the church is like these practices are are on the verge of being lost. Yeah. Because we these two sides are fighting for the church they're fighting over the church yep they want to both of them they're equally guilty they want to lord over power and control and i'm saying when the the scripture specifically says when somebody's trying to lord power over you when somebody is accusing you when somebody's trying to control you that's a false teacher Mm-hmm. We have to be on guard about who's teaching us and who's not. And then we have to be on guard that we don't pick up their practices, but that we're actually leaning into each other and having a community that is completely different than the culture that we that we live in. And and just like every temptation materialism, gossip, whatever, it, it seeps into the church. These temptations are so amplified in our culture right now that we have to be careful that the message and the people of Jesus, remember the church are the called out ones, right, so that the people of God are not hijacked by false teachers or those who would have a greater gospel. So people who are not denying the name of Jesus or the or the authority of Scripture, but the greater gospel, they would say, what we need to do, religious nationalism, we need to fix the country, and then we'll bring Jesus in. Or the, this idea of, of moral idealism, what we need to do is fix our problems, and then we'll bring Jesus in. If someone said to me, Jeff, um, isn't it a version of both? I'd be like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. What it is, it's the people of God bringing the gospel to all aspects of people's lives, mm-hmm. which is—there's so, social justice aspects that are one million percent legitimate. There are governmental policies that the church—they're immoral. Abortion is a great example of one—that the church should stand and say that that is immoral— and we won't participate with it, and we don't want that to happen, right? So, But that's informed by the gospel out. Mm -hmm. It's not pulling these two elements of these two things and bringing them into uh, kind of what drives us as a people.
0: One of the fascinating things that you're saying there, Jeff, is along these lines, because in some ways both of these— Uh, the nationalism and the moral idealism, they're they're asking for behavior change. And one of the reasons why that doesn't work is because that's not the gospel. That's That's why neither of them work. You don't fix the country and then Jesus shows up. You don't get your act together and then Jesus shows up. Matter of fact, neither of those things are even remotely possible until you interact with Jesus and find what he wants. You can't change your
1: life. Yeah, that's and, the essence of Jesus and you can't <laughs> by yourself you cannot hate your brother and love God <laughs> the, the Bible specifically says that right National the the religious nationalism well we try we're trying to love everybody by fixing the country you're you're hating certain you you hate the other side right now. Moral idealism is the same way. Mm -hmm. They they both are guilty of the same practices. You hate those people. When you say, if you don't agree with me, I won't interact with you, you're dead to me, you've hated me. Right. Right? And I'm I'm putting out a call, I guess, and and I'm saying to anybody who wants to listen, When you have that tendency in your heart, you have stepped out of the gospel. When you look and when you discount a person or a group of people, or you discount uh, an individual because they will not, the, the gospel is not legalistic. The gospel does not tell you what to say, tell you what to think, tell you how to feel, tell you how to line up, and tell you what to post on social media. And both sides do that. Mm hmm so much so that they've created buzz phrases and buzzwords that we know which side somebody's on without even talking to them. Yep. And that's a legalism. The gospel sets you free. Right? And it and we're set free to love. And love does not mean weak. Love does not mean inactive. But I would I would challenge people when when I when I'm confronted with um, uh, racial reconciliation, Jeff, you're a big leader, one of the largest churches in the world. You need to be more involved with racial reconciliation. I don't, I don't hear that as a attack because of the person or the people who brought it to me. What I heard was, Jeff, your brothers need you and you have not been as loving as you could be, and I'm like, you know what, I feel corrected. Thank you, brother, a wound of a friend. Thank you, brother. You're right, I can do more. It's not enough high, it was not a high enough priority for me, because I was ignorant and blind to it, all right? That is not, you know what your problem is? Your church is like this, and you're like this, and you were brought up this way. That's an accusation. Here, mm-hmm. here's all the things that are wrong with you. That's not a call to love, right? On the other side, when I when I feel that there's a national issue, like Jeff, uh, do you know that you know there's been seventy million abortions? I'm like. That, that moves me, not because I'm like, you know what? I'm so sick of that political party. No. It's like, oh my goodness. I, I cannot. Abortion has been prevalent my whole lifetime. I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. I can forget that it is a child's life and soul destroyed. See? So... If I don't love my brother, and by the way, the mother <laughs> who allowed the abortion, I don't hate her either. No. Nope. See, and you get into people's stories, and you get into their lives, you get into their wounds. If that does not produce a compassion, if that compassion does not lead to an action, I'm not talking about sitting in a in an ivory tower thanking God thoughts. I think that. Christians need to have dirt under their fingernails when it comes to loving people. It's the accusations, it's the cutoff, it's the assumptions, it's the attacks that I I guarantee you that I will get pushback on this podcast and somebody will grab a phrase, take it out of context, and attack me with it. I guarantee you. I'm like, that does not belong in the church. But it's becoming a part of us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and we those of us who are committed followers of Jesus Christ, by the way, that band is wide. Right. So the, you know, the church should be the most purple place on planet Earth. <laughs> right? That band is wide. If I identify myself and find my identity from any earthly stance. I am not approaching what Christ wants to do in my life. See, if I'm a Republican, if I'm an American, if I'm a Democrat, if I'm a liberal, i like, whoa, 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 whoa. Those identities, those are not even our identities. No. I'm not even to identify with my father, brother, sister, mother. I'm a child of the one true God. And so, like, no, no, no. Don't throw me in that camp. Um, and I don't want to be it. And if I, if I, f- feel that then i need to double click on myself and and if my brother or sister faces me and i get defensive i need to ask like well let's let me process that were they be loving were they trying to be loving with me um and then what do i think about it now when they face me and i hear them and i disagree with them and they get defensive. Mm-hmm. Now they have to ask, <laughs> right? And that's the way that that Christian unity plays out. And I, I actually fear that we're on the danger of losing that uh, because I I fear a little bit right now that these two extremes, the volume is so high that they're drowning out the truth mm-hmm. with it, and I think it's a danger to the church. It's
0: a I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's such a danger for everything you just said over the last half hour or so. And it's even a danger. Like I, I've talked with a few friends that think, well, this isn't that big of a deal that I have these mindsets that you just kind of called out because that's my, they'll say some version of that's my public persona. That's my social media profile. That's my, and there's two dangers with that. First of all, you're, maybe on purpose, maybe not, you're you're ostracizing yourself from certain conversations by doing that. And secondarily, whether we like it to think it or not, we're rewiring our brain and our makeup to start interacting that way about everything. Yeah. And so suddenly, you're stupid for liking this pizza place. You're stupid, and I didn't even think about our personal history about a particular <laughs> yeah, pizza place. Yeah, because, listen, <laughs> do not get
1: pizza counsel from Joe Caruso. <laughs> That's not
0: accurate, but... <laughs> But um, you know, but, but you're you're stupid for rooting for this team, and it's no longer a friendly rivalry. Ha ha ha! We start to actually look at people and go, no, you're you're worth less as a human being because you think these things about now about nothing.
1: Yeah, I I read, I read uh, and I it's probably about a year ago, so I don't remember all the details, but I read about a fan of college football that was so obsessed with the rivalry that he actually made threats and tried to attack the other coach <laughs> and he actually went to jail for it. The fan did. And, and you see, we would see this with parents. It's the classic out of control parent at the little league game sure. or the pla- the classic coach that throws a kid to the ground. That's what we're doing to each other. Mm-hmm. It, but within the body of Christ, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like like, that's, you know, the world's gonna be the world, but within in the body of Christ mm-hmm. we, we're looking at brothers and sisters and saying I will not talk with you, I will not interact with you, I will not help you. You made a mistake, therefore you're dead to me. Like, I, w- what? And do you even know if I did make a mistake and I, you didn't even talk to, like I don't even, I don't even know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I see that here in our church, and I see that all over the place. And I, it, 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 it is a um, when if Jesus prayed for unity, how pleased is the evil one that we're fighting over earthly trivial, trivial matters? I mean, it's got to grieve the heart of God when all the time the church and our Christian unity is the place that has the ability to actually bring about reconciliation and help to a nation and we're actually the solution but you can't bring the poison into the healthy blood you give everybody cancer Mm -hmm. you have to allow the health to be stronger and stronger And, and so it it's um like this other podcast i do called one city I do that with uh, my, my three friends, with uh, Bishop Joey Johnson, with Kent Boyd, and with uh, Pastor Tim Armstrong. And so it's it's two white pastors, two black pastors. And one of the things that we're doing, we are genuinely good friends. Like, uh, we we should probably broadcast us goofing off before we start talking, you know, <laughs> and, and having fun. But one of the things that we're trying to do is show people how to talk about race, yeah, like literally, like how to talk about it. Like we don't we don't have to be at each other's throats. We can not understand. We can be informed. We can disagree, and we are brothers and genuinely dear friends. Yep. Right, that should be the church everywhere. That's the that's more the model of what Jesus is coming from. And then, by our love for each other, they'll know we're his disciples. By our unity, then the world will know that I am in you, I am in them, and they are in me. Like all those things, it, it is the example. It's the thing our world can't do. It's the thing that the church is empowered to do. But we're we're fallen prey to the patterns of the world. It 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 really um, alarms me mm-hmm. uh, that that this is happening at the rate that it is.
0: I I I think – I'll probably wrap it up with this. Romans 12 says that we need to be renewed by – or we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Yeah. And depending upon how this conversation is sitting with you, probably no matter what, you need to pray through that passage. Yeah. Like, Lord, I need you to renew my mind. That it can't just be where I find myself. How I strategically want to play this, how I want to map it all out. Like Lord, I need you to change my heart, change my mind, so I can live with this as the forefront, and not any of these mindsets. Yeah,
1: and and you take every thought captive. Mm-hmm. So it's it's exa- it's what you said. It, it's God, give me your thoughts. And let your thoughts—not my thoughts—your thoughts then define my action, right? And, and something as simple as, uh, "Hey, bro, can I can I ask what you meant by that, or what you think by that, or can I speak into that?" You know, I, that um, I—I'll re- never forget something my dad did one time. So my my dad, when our kids were little, my dad was alive. He lived with us. He and my mom lived with us. And I'll never forget this. He taught me such a great lesson. I was in the backyard uh, working uh, on something, and my dad came out. He would often do that. He, he uh, My dad had some health issues, but he would often come and sit while I was working, and we'd talk and hang out a little bit. And, um, but he walked out, and I'm working, and he said, uh, he goes, hey, Jeff, he goes, can I uh, talk to you for a minute? And I said, yeah, Pop. I th- I, and he goes, he goes, can I say something about the kids? I said, yeah, dad. He goes, when I watch the kids, I'm worried about this, 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 and this. Hmm. And he said, I, I just felt like I needed to tell you that. Then we talked about it. But what he taught me was this. First of all, he came to me. Secondly, he asked my permission. Third, he didn't accuse me or my children. He 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 told me what he observed and then he asked me like, "Am I like, am I observed? Do you see what I see?" And it turned into a conversation. And I thought, Clarence—that's my dad's name, <laughs> Clarence. I thought, you wise old man, like you—you you totally disarmed me while absolutely saying what your concern was and he didn't berate me and when the co- when i was done with the conversation he went back inside i'm sure he had more to say sure. but he could like like okay like dad i've said my piece and you've said yours he's like okay well i will see you for dinner you know like he knew he knew the right place to drop it and he that has always been an example for me that's so good you know to to speak into somebody's life and we need that and we need to be on guard because these these two extremes are fighting for the quote unquote soul of evangelicalism and we need to look at both of those extremes and say, I'm sorry, we belong to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, we follow one king mm-hmm. and we follow his truth. And that truth has to be worked through. I'm not trying to say that, I'm not trying to say that at all but it's always worked through in love and it's always worked through internally. Yep. You know, the church does not work its problems out on the talk news show. Right. So it work it, it it's worked out internally cuz we're wrestling with these things and we don't have to be in a perfect agreement, we have to be in a relational unity. Yep. So
0: good, Jeff. Thanks for diving into that and um you know, kind of taking the risk of some some feedback that might come your way. But I I think it was worth the conversation for sure, and I think it'll help many of us. Well, if uh, you enjoyed this and would like some follow-up questions or would like us to dive into another topic, you can always submit your questions on our website at bath.gracechurches.org slash messages And of course, you can always subscribe, follow, uh, share, or send us a direct message. We'd love to hear from you. uh, And we'd love to be able to help you take steps in this journey or maybe even have a conversation about today's topic as we try to navigate these things together. And of course, here at Grace, if you wanna join us on the weekend, whether virtual or in person, we'd love to have you as you uh, enter into your uh, faith journey with Jesus. Well, thanks for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. We'll see you guys next week.